And then go ahead and have a seat. Um, when I was in when I was in the fourth grade, uh, my dad and a friend and his dad went on a canoe trip. And we were on a canoe trip with our friends. And in that canoe sat one of my friends, and he looked over the side of the canoe, and he saw this trout, this fish in this, this water that we were going down. And he looked, and he said, that was beautiful, but I can't imagine how beautiful it's going to be in heaven. His name was Craig. His name is Craig. And he's here today, and he surprised me, and he lives in Rochester, New York, and he's got his family with him. Mm. Ooh, this is tough. Sorry, guys. Um, I just need you to know that I'm a believer today because of his influence. And he came in the room with this big, long beard, and I introduced myself to him because I hadn't seen him in like 15 years or longer. I guess it's longer, Craig. It's longer than that. It's probably 20. And I just... Uh, so, yeah. So thank you. I love you. Um, <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 6. Enough with that emotional stuff. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so here's what we're doing this morning is we're going to talk about generous living, okay? Because next week we're going to come to the table and we're going to have God place a number on our heart and we're going to say over the next three years we're going to sacrificially give to make sure that there's a building on the corner, that's ultimately what we're going to do. And so this week, I thought that I had the entire project completely funded. Let me explain something to you. The world has gone crazy with this game called Wordle. Okay, if you're not familiar with Wordle, New York Times has this word of the day. You get six chances to guess a five-letter word. You have six chances to guess a five-letter word. If you guess a word and you get yellow, it means the, the letter is in the word but not in the right place. If you guess a word and it's green, it means the letter is in the right place for those of you who don't play. And so this particular week, you're supposed to, each and every week, your, your goal is to try to get the wordle in less than six tries or by six, Right? You want to try to get it as quickly as you can. I know some people have gotten it in two, but this particular week, sun, Monday morning at 6.02 in the morning, I'm sitting down with my phone and it's Wordle, and I went with my normal choice, and I said, no, I'm going with a different one. And I went with a different word. And all of a sudden on the screen, it flashed genius. Because out of 12,792 words that you could guess, I guessed the right word on the first try. Look at me. I got a one out of six. There are some skeptics in the building that, uh, Christy wins, that do not believe 
that that took place. But I told her and Kevin, I'm a pastor. I cannot lie. I promise you. So here's what happened. I called the staff and I told the staff, guys, I'm not coming to staff meeting. I'm going to Vegas. <laughs> On the way to Vegas, I bought a ticket. And let's just say that plan didn't work. Did not go to Vegas, did not buy a lottery ticket. But here's where we find ourselves. We've, we find ourselves sitting here in the salt and light project, asking God to place on our heart, how are we going to live generously in regards to a piece of property that is worth millions of dollars that he has provided for us? And how are we going to have a building on the building? I, I also wanna let you know that one out of six, I'm going back to Wordle because I'm, I'm, I just need to tell you this. There is, to get it one, one of six times, there is a 0.00007% chance that you will get it on the first try. Just want to let you know that, okay? Um, um, okay, so here, here's where we are. Here's where we are. Here's the big idea for us today that's going to encapsulate the entire message and really what we're doing and what we're asking. So here is, here is the big idea. The generosity of God is the reason for the children of God to give generously to the work of God. Okay, so we have the generosity of God. What does that do? It fuels the children of God, that's us, to give to the work of God. Because when we talk about generous living in the Salt and Light Project, or even, even just in living our lives, we want to make sure that the generosity of God is what fuels us to do what we do. It's not us that fuels us to feel good about ourselves for putting something or giving to something. It is actually rooted and fueled by the God of creation. He is the definition of all things. He is the de definition of life, of love, of forgiveness. He's also the definition of generosity. And that's where we begin when we talk about living generously. See, we can sit there and we can think there's many things that we can be generous with. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with our gifts. We can be with spiritual gifts. We can be generous with our words. I need you to know that, you know, two weeks ago, my father-in-law went to be with Jesus. You have been, to our family, unbelievably generous with your time, with caring, texting, calling, bringing food, and we just love you for that. Thank you for being our church. Thank you for loving us so well. We're, it's been a long five years. And God, on March the 9th, he went to sleep on his couch and he woke up in the presence of Jesus. I'll take that. I'll take that. And I believe that God was incredibly gracious to him. And I'm grateful. Here's the issue when we talk specifically about financial generosity. We oftentimes think of different people who have been financially generous. Now, if we were to Google financial generosity, the first person that pops up on the list is Bill Gates because he makes $96.2 billion in a year and he gives away $35.8 billion a year. We can also think of Warren Buffett and he makes 100, million, 100 something billion dollars a year and he gives away $34 billion a year. And we can also think of George Soros who is a hedge fund capital campaign guy and he... He has given away 
$32 billion in a year. When we think of financial generosity, we can look at it and go, wow, that person is unbelievably generous. But when we put it into the lens of scripture and we look at the triune God, it, it, it pales in comparison to who he is and what he's done. And so that's why our definition of generosity is rooted and firmly uh, the foundation is planted in Christ. Because look at, look at this verse. I'll just read it for you. You know this verse. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 3, 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can say that's generous. Yes, that's generous to declare to you and to me that we're separated we're separated from God because of our sin, and a generous God lets us know that so that we don't have to try to fix that ourselves, although we try. But a generous God lets us know, hey, listen, you're a sinner by nature and by choice. Another verse, uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. The triune God, not wealthy businessmen or even us, no matter how much we give or how much we are generous. The triune God is the definition, is the foundation, is the standard for all generosity. He, he is the standard. The triune God. And so Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, we're in the Sermon on the Mount, the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached, chapters 5, 6, and 7, all one sermon, lots of topics. We've been talking about this for several weeks now. It is the foundation by which we're gathering our uh, salt and light project under, is the Sermon on the Mount. And so Jesus is preaching in this sermon and he addresses the issue about money. Now listen, in the context of the entire Bible, there are 500 verses in the scripture on prayer. There's plus or minus 500 verses on faith, and there's 2,300 verses on money. Why? Because I know that God, through his intent discipleship of his followers, knows that this is a way that you and I can go sideways. And he addresses this over and over again for the issue of us going sideways. And so in essence, why is he teaching on this so much? Truly because the great discipler wants to disciple us through this issue and not allowing our money to control us, but the God of creation to control us. So back to our big idea, the generosity of God is the reason for the children of God to give to the work of God, to give generously to the work of God. And so first and foremost, I think what we look at in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, we really just take a look at um, what, the gener what our generosity looks like. So here's what, it's, here's what I want to, want to share with you. Being generous with our money depends on our heart. Being generous with our money depends on our heart. In the Bible, the heart is considered the seat of strength. It means it's the mind, soul, and spirit. When the issue of the heart is talked about, it's talked about the entire body. It's the direction of your soul. It's the direction of what your focus is. And so as he addresses 
our resources, our money, he starts by addressing our hearts. So if we want to live a generous life, a generous life, then what's important for us to do is to understand where our heart is. Let's take a look at verses 19 through 21. He says in verse 19, this is what he tells us not to do. It's very clear in scripture. When Jesus says not to do it, it's really important that we not do that, right? That, that was seminary for you right now, okay? That's a lot of seminary for you. That's just really simple. What does it say in verse 19? Do not, I don't want you to do this. Here's a warning. I'm being generous to you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth or rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But here's what I want you to do. So I don't want you to do that, but here's what I want you. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 19 warns us not to invest or spend our money on things that break, decay, or rot. It's a warning. Life is a series of decisions and choices, and, and they shape where we go and what we do and what we have. We make decisions all the time. And he's encouraging us, hey, it's okay to have this car. It's okay to have this house. But, but make sure that your priority is focused on him, on living generously for him. Earthly treasures are transient and temporary. In verse 20, he says, hey, put your money in here. It will last. You know, in Luke chapter 12, verses 16 through 21, Jesus told a parable. I want to read you that parable because I think it's very um, bold <laughs> and uh, a very big warning when it talks about keeping things for ourselves at the expense of living generously for the kingdom of God. It's a warning, a big warning. Here it is in verse in Luke chapter 12, 16 through 21. I think we've got that on the screen for you. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful, plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20, but God said to him, I want you to say it with me, fool. This night, your soul is required of you in the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? So is the rich one who lays up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. Let that be a warning to us all. We live in a very, very nice area. We not, might not be tearing down our, our, our storage barns to building more, but we're building a lot of storage units. Every corner has a storage unit because we've got a lot of stuff to put it somewhere, right? Everybody, raise your hand just really quick if you've heard of William Tyndall. You heard of William Tyndall? Okay, William Tyndall was responsible for translating the Bible into English. It was illegal to be in England to translate the word into English for the commoners. And so that's what his calling was. That's what he wanted to do was to translate the Hebrew and Greek language. The language, was, it, was, it was now in Latin, but the Roman Catholic Church did not want them to translate it to common folk 
they wanted to keep it for the educated folk. And so they, it was against the law in this time in the 15, around 1520 to translate the Bible into English. William Tyndall was burdened by God to do that. And he wanted to do it. And he was a commoner. And this guy by the name of, hold on, Humphrey Montooth. Humphrey Montooth. So everybody knows of William Tyndall because he translated the Bible into English and therefore we have our first English translation and the ministry that he founded is still going on. But most people don't know about Humphrey Montooth because what did he do? He saw something special in, in William Tyndall that he said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna provide you free lodging. I'm gonna give you clothes. I'm gonna give you resources. I'm gonna buy you food. I want you to sit in this basement and I want you to translate this beautiful message into the words so we can understand it. We can know what it means to have a relationship with King Jesus. I believe that that's a demonstration and also an illustration of what it means to live not for ourselves, but for the glory of God because of his generosity. This man was really, really, really rich. And Humphrey Monteith had lots of money. And what did he do? He found William Tyndall, who was trying to do something extravagant. What did he do? He gave him the resources to be able to do it. That's a definition of what it means not to store up things on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven. Uh, um, here, here, here's a statement I want us to hear, and it's, it's really important that we hear it in regards to our heart, because in this section of scripture, the first thing that we look at when it talks about living generously, one of the things that, that can, can cause us to go sideways is when our heart is displaced. So spending money on things that prevent us from being generous is a definition of a heart problem. Spending money on things that prevent us from being generous reveals a heart problem. I want that to soak into us all. We must look at where our heart is because that's where our treasure is. And God, the great discipler, the triune God, the great discipler, it's trying to disciple us through this, this, this work of, listen, don't, don't store up treasures in heaven. Don't store up treasures on earth. I want you to store up treasures, treasures in heaven. So what, is we, what, what does it mean to live with treasure, treasures in heaven? What does it mean to live a generous life? First, we must consider our heart. Second, we must consider our focus. We must consider our focus. Look at verse 22. He goes on and gives an illustration um, Jesus goes on and gives an illustration in verse 22. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? The eye is like a window. When the window allows the sunlight to come in, what happens to the room? It lights up. The eye is the window. What comes into our eye lights up our whole body. I personally have the spiritual gift of chasing rabbits. That's a focus issue. The staff just said amen under their breath. The spiritual gift of chasing, I can, I, I, oh, let me tell you this story. I always want to tell a story. 
Here's what he's talking about right now is, listen, what your eye is focused on. I want it to be focused on King Jesus, on him, specifically on him being generous with all things. And as we apply it today, generous again with our, 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 our finances. Really, the issue is, is being singularly focused. The issue is what he's talking about is I don't want you to be, have double vision. I want you to look at something. Here, let me give you an example of that. Let me give you an example of that. I grew up in New York. Oh, yeah. Just get ready right now. Okay. Um, so I grew up, I, I, I was in New York. That's where I met my buddy Craig. I was there for about four years, then we went to Connecticut. But when I was in New York, what we had was, we had a place called Starburst Roller Skating Rink. Okay, Starburst Roller Skating Rink. And it had four poles, and you're to go around this. And Dan Crystal reminded me of this awesome thing the other, the other week. And so here's what takes place. Here's, let me give you an illustration about keeping our focus. And so here's what's going on at Starburst Roller Skating Rink. The song is being played, and Matt has black skates and yellow wheels. The goal is to go around the poles and skate, okay? This is what's playing right now. Ow! You get that? All right, one more time. Okay, so that's what's going on right now. What's the song? By, come on. Teresa had that on the playlist last week at the marathon. And so here's what's going on. You got jumped by Van Halen. When that chorus comes on, what do you do? You jump. What do you not do? Jump and hit a pole. That's what I did. All of a sudden, I woke up. I couldn't see straight. I had a focus problem because Matt had a concussion. Okay, so when Van Halen is on and you jump, make sure you're looking straight ahead, right, Dan? Dan's heard me tell that before. Maybe some of you heard me. But here's what, here's what Jesus is telling us to do right now. Listen to me. There are so many things that it can allow you to go sideways. I want you to be focused on the things that I've brought you here to be about. It's for your good. It's for my glory that you are singularly focused on me. On holding on to me. It's, it, our discipleship is at stake. Our focus is at stake. So here, I want to get your heart right, and I want to get your, I want to get your eyes right. I want to get your focus right. What does, he, what does he continue to go on and say? What is the next thing he says? Being generous with our money depends on our heart, depends on our focus, and lastly, it depends on our devotion. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Our generosity is dependent on who our master is. The word money is correctly translated mammon. So let me give you an illustration. What he's saying is, is that you believe that money is the source of your spiritual growth. Money is the source of everything that you need in life, spiritually, physically, emotionally. That's why it's so dangerous. When he's sitting here and he uses this illustration, you cannot serve God and you cannot serve mo money because your view of money was, was, was putting the faith in it that it's not able to do. I mean, it goes back to the 10 commandments, no other God before me. 
No graven images. There's a great warning. You see money as something that completes you spiritually. Jesus is rebuking that boldly. Divided loyalty is simply not an option. You cannot have two masters. I believe the correct way to maybe say this, and I don't think it's doing damage to this text. You cannot serve God and self. What, I'm, what I mean by that right now is that God is demonstrating in this text that I have a place that is reserved for me in your life, and I've said this before, and I want you to get out of it. I want you to get out of my seat. This is my seat. I wanna show you what it means to live generously with all things, but specifically, he's talking about our finances. And what do we do with that? So here, here's the question. Let's just, we're gonna, um, that's our text for today. And so here, here's, here's the challenge. God is the definition of generosity. The triune God of creation is the definition of generosity. And one way that we can be generous is with our finances. And together, we do that by looking at um, the place of our heart, our focus, and our devotion. And so here is my testimony just as a closing illustration here. Why do I personally want us to give generously and sacrificially to the Salt and Light Project to build a building on that corner? That's the question that I was writing when I was putting the message together this week. Why do I want us to give sacrificially and generously and cheerfully to the Salt and Light Project? And I think that this illustration might help you see it. We were at the marathon last week. It was one of my favorite, favorite experiences of my life, okay? We didn't cancel church, we were the church. Make sure you understand that, we were the church. We were on that corner and we were giving out water and mustard packets. I still don't understand that, why you have to eat mustard when you're running, but somebody can explain that to me later. Um, anyway, so we're giving out all these things that you can run and we're at this corner and stuff. And so at, at around seven o'clock, the whistle blows about two miles away from where we were and the runners come running down the street. And about 7.15, we have this mass of people that are coming. And when they came up to where we were, it was the marathon runners go this way. If we're looking back at them, they're running towards us. The marathon runners go this way on the trail and the half marathoners go this way on the trail. And then all of a sudden, they, some of them were getting confused. They didn't know which way to go. And so David ran and he made a sign and he gave me the sign and I was holding the sign. And then the lady that was directing traffic, it really wasn't working very well. And she said, you come stand here in the middle of the road. I'm standing here with the sign. And it was like half this way, full this way. And I'm looking and I'm like, sometimes I can exaggerate. So please forgive me. I'm going to say 7,000 people running down the road. <laughs> Something like that. And I've got this sign. Listen, I've got this sign. And all of a sudden, they're coming down the road, and I'm talking to these people over here from Chicago and Illinois and Cary and Apex. And I got this sign, and they're going, and I'm going, marathon that way, half marathon this way, marathon that way. How, the, how are you guys doing? We're, we're just sitting there, we're just talking. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, as I'm sitting here this week, I'm seeing this, uh, preparing the message, I'm seeing 
hundreds of people, okay, thousands of people coming down and we're at the corner where our, where our property is, where our church is going to be one day and I'm holding up a sign and I'm telling, go this way, go this way, go this way, give this way. Listen, this is what I wanna do. I wanna hold up a sign. Here it is. And I wanna tell you which way to go. And why do we build a building down there? So we can stand on that corner and boldly proclaim Jesus is the way that you should go. Went to get breath mints this morning at CVS because I'm not wearing a mask anymore. <laughs> David, David, David was behind the counter. I said, what can I pray for you about? Just pray that I can live my life to please God. That's what he said. I just need you to know we had church in CVS this morning before we got here. Got to talk to David. Got to pray for David. And there are thousands of people like David that are in this corner right now that are gonna come driving down that road or another part of the road and we get to sit on that corner and we get to tell them which way they can go to have hope, to have peace, and to be loved like they've never been loved before. That's why when we look at the generosity of God, that's why we respond generously with our time, our love, our words, and specifically with what God has given us, our finances. How, how are we going to apply this message today? What are we gonna do with this? There's two things. Two things I wanna help you with. Two things. Number one, there's a lot going on in Ukraine and we have been praying for them and talking to them. We have Dima and Maria Kodik and they are uh, missionaries sent, uh, supported by our church in Ukraine. They are actually stateside and we're stateside before things got really, really bad over there. We have met with Dima and we've talked to him about a ministry organization of an area that is really, really hit hard. We've also talked to Sandy Russell, who has been supporting the Slavic Christian ministries in a section of Ukraine that has been hit really, really hard since I think since like 92, right Sandy? Early on. Sandy has put us in contact with some of the people that she knows Dima has met with David, myself, and Ryan to talk about a situation and a ministry that he has going on there. So here's what we're going to do. Because you have given so generously to our share fund, we have $10,000 that we're going to divide up to two of these ministries. But I don't want us to give just $10,000. We're going to open it up for you today to give to Ukraine Relief. There are QR codes all over the building that you can go ahead and you can give today to help that. So what's gonna happen is both of these ministries are going to get $5,000 each minimum. And then whatever you can give today to help with the Ukraine relief. Where these two ministries are situated, Pilgrim, the Pilgrim Charity 
um, the pilgrim, how do I say it, David? The pilgrim's uh, ministry fund. That is with Dima's friend who he has talked to. We feel confident that God is going to use him and is using him right there on the front lines. And so how do we apply this message? I first don't want to talk about pledging to build a building. I want us to talk about a really, really important need right now, and that's in Ukraine. And so we're going to give through our share fund that you've already given to. We want to give you a chance to give again. And so that's for Ukraine relief. And then second, I, I want you this week to be ready to come next week to pledge, to make a pledge over a three-year period. Dana and I, when we got married, I had no idea what it meant to give and be generous until I married that woman. Her parents were in ministry for over 40 years. They are the definition of earthly generosity that I have ever seen. They got audited one year because they said nobody makes this much money and gives that much money. So they got audited. Kathy Qualls, who's in the presence of Jesus right now with her husband, said, take all the receipts and look at them all. I got everything documented. I've never seen generosity like that before. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to do this as a family, if you're if your family or a life group, but I want you to sit down with your family this week and pray and talk about what God would have you to give. I learned a long time ago of just the minimum that we're going to give each and every month. Dan and I set a number, a minimum. We're not a percentage people because sometimes 10%, which is Old Testament tithe, then that's not enough. That's not a sacrifice for some. I believe it's sacrificial, cheerful, and generous giving. And so this week, what we're doing is we're sitting down with the kids at the table. We're talking about college and all the things that are going on. And I have a number and Dana has a number and we're gonna sit down with them and we're gonna talk about it. And we're gonna trust that God would allow us to give generously to this. And I wanna challenge you to do the same thing. Why? Because people are driving and running down that street every single day and we get to hold up a great banner of the scripture and say, Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan for you. And there's no one like him. So this week, or today, think about how we can be generous with Ukraine and think about how we can be generous in pledge preparation. I don't think we just show up on Sunday. I really wanna encourage you to continue to seek the Lord and ask him, God, how are we going to be a part of seeing a building built on that corner for your glory for years to come. Amen? I love you guys. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to call you my church family. I just thank you for loving each other so well, loving our family. And uh, it's a joy to do life with you. That's what I wanna do right now is I wanna pray for us. I'm gonna ask you to stand. We're gonna pray and then the band is gonna lead us in singing. So go ahead and stand. Go ahead. You guys can come on out. Let me pray for you right now.
God in heaven, I want to thank you. You generously gave to us your one and only son so that we could live and live eternal lives. And I am so grateful for that. I want to thank you for your grace. I want to thank you that, Lord, we do not give to get something from you. We give because we've gotten something from you. It's a response to your grace. It's a response to your forgiveness. It's a response to your love. So, Lord, I am grateful that we can sit here today and we can know who you are. I'm grateful for the people that are represented in this world that there are a lot of people in this congregation that somebody told them about you and we're here today because somebody told them about you. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for Miss Thayer who taught me about you. And Lord, I just pray that as we go throughout this week, that Lord, we would um, check our hearts, check our eyes, our focus, that we would make sure that you are our master and we are devoted to you and to nothing else. There are so many things that can cause us to go sideways. Help us, Lord, in our discipleship. Clean us. Make us pure. And God, we ask in Jesus' name that you would rule as we seek to live, with, live for you generously with our finances. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.